Um, it's good to be in the house of the Lord, and we, I want to share some thoughts with you. Um, the um, title of my message is Landmarks Revisited. And, um, you know, uh, I think that all of us uh, in our life's experience can look back and say, that was a, a landmark, <laughs> that was a milestone, <laughs> or, uh, um, or that was a watershed time in my life that changed my life. And, um, and so I, I want to consider some thoughts around that uh, theme this morning. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, there you see uh, a landmark. I think that's probably from up north. Um, uh, you, know, uh, you know what a, a nukchik is? Okay. Um, where people uh, used uh, things like that to um, uh, provide direction for people uh, in, in a, d a difficult environment. Um, but in the experience of the children of Israel, there were um, landmarks, there were watershed experiences. Um, so if we just put this first verse up and, uh, as an introduction to, to some of these places, these locations, and put that verse up. Hmm? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it, and by the time I finish, hopefully it'll be up. It says First Samuel chapter seven, uh, and verse fifteen to seventeen. It says Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life, and he went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, to Gilgal, and Mizpah, and he judged Israel in all these places. Then he would return to Ramah for his home was there. And there also he judged Israel, and he built there an altar to the Lord. So that's just an introduction to these name, uh, these places, the names of these places uh, uh, this morning. Um, you know, we, we corporately, corporately, we, we, we have, uh, as a church or the church, um, uh, every year actually uh, goes back to landmarks, okay? Christmas is a landmark. Easter is a landmark. <laughs> um, you know, Pentecost is a landmark. Ascension uh, uh, time is, is a landmark. So we go back to that. But it's important, I believe, sometimes to go back to, to landmarks in our own experience. And um, uh, I don't know about you, but when I go back to certain things, um, you know, it encourages me because it reminds me that, uh, and I'm talking about in my walk with the Lord in my spiritual experience, I can go back to certain part, times in my life's experience and I say, you know, that has been important, an important time or an important place uh, uh, in my spiritual walk and spiritual growth in the Lord. How many can say that this morning? Yeah. Amen. Okay, so we're going to go look, first of all, at Gilgal. What is Gilgal? Okay. Um, and uh, I want to read from uh, Joshua chapter 4. You, you're going to see the, the first, the, some of the verses up there. I'm going to read uh, most of the chapter. 
and uh, I will come to these verses uh, along the way. It says, when all the nation had finished passing over Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe, a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from you out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. And then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe, and you'll see this. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the, <coughs> of the people of Israel just as the Lord <clears throat> told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. I'm just going to <coughs> leap forward, okay, um, and it says, and those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And then later on uh, in Joshua chapter 5 and verse 9, it, uh, after uh, God has spoken to Joshua regarding uh, the people that had crossed the Jordan with him, um, and there was some things that took place where uh, the, the men who had not uh, come out of Egypt and uh, had not been circumcised, and they, they circumcised the men. And then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you, and so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. So what does Gilgal mean, though, to you and to me today? You know, the crossing over Jordan is often equated with our new birth experience, where we come out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bo the bondage of sin, and through the work of the Holy Spirit, amen, God makes a way, just as God made a way for the children of Israel through Jordan. A lot of people forget that God didn't just part the Red Sea, but he parted Jordan also. <laughs> so that they could cross into the promised land. Amen? I thank God this morning that God has brought me through to the promised land. Amen? Pastor Richard mentioned this morning uh, 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 that, that scripture when he says uh, that uh, we, we, Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Amen. And it's because of what God has done for us. 
It's because of the way that God has made for us. It wasn't a way that we could make for ourselves. Amen? Coming back to that song that we sang, it's something that only God can do. God has brought me out of bondage, out of sin, into a place of joy and peace and abundant living. Praise the Lord this morning for that. We praise God for that this morning. And, and so, in terms of the concept of uh, a, a, a landmark, how do I, how do I uh, um, look at that? And, and in some respect, we, we, we recognize that landmark of coming out of sin and into freedom. We, 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 we recognize it every time we have communion. God made a way. And it's saying and to ourselves and reminding ourselves that what we are today, we are by the grace of God. <laughs> we are today by the grace of God. And we need to always remember that. We should never become presumptuous in our walk with the Lord. We must always remember there's a point in time back there where God met us, amen? And God made a way for us. And where we are today is because of what God has done for us, amen? amen. And I am what I am this morning. I am what I am this morning by the grace of God. Amen. Blessed be his wonderful name, amen? And, and, and you know, the, the, the old hymn says, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. How many can say, and now I am happy yeah. all the time. Yeah. Amen. I'm happy. Are you happy this morning? Yeah. Amen. There's something wrong if you're a believer and you don't have the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is important. Amen? Uh, the psalmist says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? And that all comes because of what happened at that moment, that time in life when I, by faith, accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and what he had done for me on Calvary as my Lord and as my Savior. And I crossed Jordan. Amen? I crossed that barrier. I, there was a barrier between me and God. There was a gulf, the Word of God says, between me and God. But praise God, because of Jesus, I, I have been made, there's a way made for me to overcome that barrier, to overcome that gulf between me and God. And now I am a child of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to remember Gilgal. We need to remember that we are what we are by the grace of God. Praise his wonderful name. Hallelujah. Amen. And so the next <coughs> place that was mentioned, you see, all these were important points in the life of Israel and the, God's purposes being outworked in, in the nation of Israel. The next one <coughs> we come to is Bethel. Bethel. Amen? And we're going to look at that in Genesis uh, <clears throat> chapter eight, 28. Genesis chapter 28. It says, 
<clears throat> Jacob left Bathsheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. I don't know. But I, I, I look for soft cushions myself to lie <laughs> And he dreamed, and beheld, behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land in which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south and so on. Verse 15, Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. It says, the verse is up on the uh, 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 overhead, and he says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. <laughs> and he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Oh, wow. There's a lot of churches around it called Bethel, aren't there? <laughs> Amen? It's because people desire that their church be a place where the presence of God <laughs> dwells. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, and I think that uh, I would not be uh, wrong to say that uh, all of us in our walk with the Lord have had a Bethel experience. Have you had a Bethel experience this morning? Have you had an experience that, that when you least expected it, you felt the reality of the presence of God in your life. And it changed you. How many know that you cannot have an experience of the presence of God in your life without it changing you? Without it uh, turning your eyes away? Uh, you know, one of the things that hit, uh, struck me is it says, and he was afraid. How awesome is this place? You know, the presence of God, God is holy. God is a holy God. Amen? Uh, people talk about having the presence of God and they act in any way as if it's, you know, sort of hoopla, hoopla, God's presence. I want to tell you, when God's presence is there, amen, there's a holiness about his presence. There's a holiness about his presence. And there's an awesomeness about his presence. I'm standing before a holy God. And God speaks and comes and intervenes in my life in a miraculous way and, and begins to speak to me regarding his purposes in my life. I want to tell you, it, should, ought, it ought to send me to my knees before God. Send me to my knees before God. And I trust this morning. So I'm trusting this morning in, in, in raising this uh, possibility, okay, of a landmark experience where we knew the reality of the presence of God, we need to go back to that place sometimes. It says later on in, in the scripture that 
that Jacob used to visit that place from time to time in his, in his journeys through, through uh, uh, the land. It's good to have a place where you can go back to say, yes, you know, when, when sometimes you don't feel uh, you know, that uh, things are going uh, in, in the way you'd like them to go, when things are not as uh, um, you know, exciting maybe as, as they've been in the past, it's good to say, you know, I know God. You remember what David says? He says, I, I would I, I, David, the psalmist says, I, I, would have, I, I would have, you know, been crushed, he says, if it were not for the fact that I remember that I, I, I knew the, uh, the Lord in the land of the living, that God had met me. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. You know, we can come into, in, in, into crisis moments in our lives, and we can, and, and, and it's, we can so easily allow those moments sometimes to overwhelm us, but let's remember those times, those places where God met us, yeah. or we met God. Amen? And, 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 and very often, it's, it's in a place where you least expect it to happen. <laughs> Just as Jacob uh, found God, he says, God was there, and I didn't realize. And you know, you, as you continue in your, in, in your life, in your walk with the Lord, amen, don't think that God can't meet you wherever you go. Don't think, well, if, you know, if I... Go here or do this. Maybe I don't think God. I want to tell you, God can meet you wherever He wants to meet you. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. And so let me um, uh, go on to the next one. A place called Mizpah. Okay. Okay. Let me get my notes here. All right. First Samuel chapter seven. Okay, I'm going to read a, uh, some context to to the verse. Okay, um, and it says, "Now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah." The lords of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the people of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a, uh, made a sacrifice and says, um, as, as he was offering up the sacrifice, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel, but the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, Until now the Lord has helped us. Amen? Praise God. I'm sure you've heard that word Ebenezer. I remember somebody saying to me, what does that word Ebenezer mean? Well, it's a testimony to the fact that God helps. That God helps. Amen? Hallelujah. And no matter what, no matter what, amen, it's important to remember. You see, one of the things to, to uh, the context of, of, of this 
<coughs> scripture and, and the Philistines is that when the Israelites asked Samuel to, to pray for, for them, see, they'd already lo lost the battle at that location to the Philistines. And, uh, one of the thoughts that came to me as I considered this is, we need to remember that God is able to give us victory in the place where we may have been previously defeated. <laughs> Amen? We may be still in a place where we were defeated, but when we pray, when Samuel prayed, and when the children of Israel pleaded with Samuel to pray for them, although they were in the place where the <clears throat> Philistines had previously defeated them, because they turned to the Lord, they gained the victory. <laughs> Amen? And so in life's experiences sometimes, you know, when we, we've, we've been faced with difficulties or problems sometimes, and we, we say, well, you know, when I tried to deal with this before, I, I, I was defeated. Never allow anything, and never allow a previous defeat to control your hope for the future. <laughs> Never control. You may have felt, yes, oh, I, 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 simple illustration maybe, you know, oh, I made a commitment to the Lord to do this or that, and I fell flat on my face, okay? And so I'm not going to try it again <laughs> because I failed and was defeated <laughs> at that time. I want to tell you, if God tells you to do it again, do it again. Yeah. Turn to him. And he will give you the strength, and he will give you the, the ability to overcome. Amen? And we need to remember those occasions. How many can say, yes, I've proven God does help. Even although I fail, God helps me. Amen? And I've had a victory. I've had a victory in the very place where previously I <clears throat> experienced defeat. Praise God for that this morning. Praise God for that this morning. Now I want to come to the, the last part, okay? I, moving on from there. And it, uh, it, it's 1 Samuel chapter 7 and 15. It says, Then he would return to Ramah, for his home was there, and there also he judged Israel, and he built an altar to the Lord. You know, it's important to have a home base. It's important to have a home base. Maybe I'll spend a little bit more time on this aspect of what I want to share this morning. It's important to have a home church. The local church is God's place for you and me to grow in the Lord. Amen? Um, and I, I think it's probably... Uh, relevant to address this issue now because as we've come through COVID, maybe there are those who are saying, well, you know, I didn't go to church for a year or so. You know, and I've watched, you know, uh, ministries on TV and I feel good about it. And so I don't need to go back to church. Well, I want to I talk about the importance of coming back to church, coming back to the local church. Amen. Um, before uh, COVID, before COVID, um, 
Some of you may have heard of an uh, individual called George Barner. George Barner is a, um, a researcher, and he researches especially issues regarding the church. And he made a prediction recently. He said that between the years 2000 and 2025, the percentage of Americans for whom a local church is a primary means of spiritual experience and expression will decrease by at least 50%. Wow. Wow. In his report, he said that many of what he calls revolutionaries are redefining for themselves what church will be. One writer that I uh, <clears throat> looked up says this, what do I foresee in response to that prediction? What do I see? He says, I see disaster in the making. I state without reservation that the local church, as described in the Bible, is at the very center of the heart of Jesus Christ in his plans for the world. That's what I want to share with you. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, uh, King James Version, they said, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And it's important to recognize that this was the local Jerusalem Church. In all his apostolic journeys, Paul left local churches springing up wherever he preached. In Acts chapter 14, we read that Paul and Barnabas went out and preached in many cities, starting new churches. And they followed up on these churches by ordaining elders in every church. So why, why am I addressing these issues today? I believe it's important because I desire that we be strengthened in our walk with the Lord for our commitment to the, and love for the local church. If we go down the road that the researchers have mentioned, we're going to see many casualties. We're going to see many casualties. I want to challenge you today to ask yourself, how can I add my spiritual gifts and my particip participation in this church in such a way that it becomes a magnet for people wanting more of God? Here's some questions to, which I've pulled from some other writings, but which I believe are important for us to ask ourselves as well this morning. Where in one place can I consistently experience the worship of God, the Word of God, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And the answer is the only place to find those things working together in unity is in the local church. probably familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 26. What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. 
See, when we come together as the church, we experience the word, we experience worship, and we experience the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Another question that someone has asked is, where did God set spiritual leadership and spiritual gifts? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 28 says this, and God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. It's in the church that God has set, in the local church that God has set these things. And it's in the, in the local church that, that we are able to be blessed by the ministries or that have already been read in that scripture by the ministries of the apostles, prophets, teachers, and other ministries. And see, it's in the church that we are blessed by healings, tongues, prophecies, and other spiritual gifts. Acts chapter 13, chapter 1 tells us that in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers. And I think this is an appropriate comment that someone has made, not lone wolf prophets, accountable to no one. New Testament prophets were and are still found in the church, in the church. Next, another question that I came across is, where can I find apostolic teaching, edifying fellowship, gatherings to pray? Where can I be filled with awe as I see God move mightily? The answer is in the local church. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, 43 says, they, that is the Jerusalem congregation, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miracle signs were done by the apostles. Amen. Another question, where can I find and join together with like-minded people who love to pray. Amen? In the local church. Amen? Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church and to God for him. Amen? Hallelujah. Where many, and he, later on it says, he came to the house of Mary and where many were gathered together praying. And so in the local church, the local church is a group of people who know and come together to pray. Amen? Hallelujah. And this is a question which seems to me very logical. If I am sick, where can I find spiritual people to come and pray for my healing? In the local church. Call the elders of the church. Amen? Christians by name are Christians. James 5, 14, if any of you is sick, you should call the elders of the church to pray over him. Amen? And this question, some people ask, well, can't I just be part of the big worldwide church? That's what you hear people say these days. Mm -hmm. You see, God in the New Testament was always speaking to local churches in, in 1 Corinthians 1, 2, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all those elsewhere who call on the name of the Lord. It's not just enough to be part of the <coughs> big worldwide church. We need to be part of a local church. We need to be part of a local church. Now, in, in the, in, there is a sense that we are part of that large or worldwide church. But 
God wants us to come together in local churches that's so we can experience the, the uh, things of, uh, of the Holy Spirit. Um, someone else says, how can I receive apostolic oversight and input if there's no apostle in my area? And so, of course, it can be directly or indirectly through the local church. Amen? Uh, multiple churches can be, receive apostolic input, but recognizing the covering that they have uh, under apostolic leaders, and so on. Someone says, can't I just be a, a me and Jesus Christian? These are, these are things. Uh, uh, anybody heard these questions? Hmm? You heard these questions? Can, uh, can't I just be a me and Jesus Christian? Again, Paul in Corinthians talks about uh, hearing that when you come together as a church, we are to come together as a church. We come together for, for celebrating the Lord's Supper. No lone wolves, someone has said. In Psalm 68 and verse 6, okay, which is an Old Testament verse, but I believe it is, 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 is relevant. It says, God setteth the solitary in families. In families. <clears throat> someone says, well, uh, how about just having one big city church or regional church? You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. Okay. The churches of Judea that are in Christ. And so what we see here demonstrated in the New Testament, okay, uh, not just one big regional church, but multiple congregations within a geographically churches in Galatia, churches in Judea. And of course, the, the concept of one city church certainly has appeal. Because certain ministries use that uh, as a reason to, and they, they have what they call campus churches. And so they have, you know, the, uh, the pastor will be preaching at the main church, but uh, everybody in the campus churches, they have screens up and, and, and he's preaching to them in all those areas. That's not a local church. And so, although it has appeal, the reality is that it, it doesn't provide the environment for you and me to fellowship together in the way that God intends us to, to fellowship. Is there any room for home churches? Sure there are. But in the end, all those home churches must have those components that make up uh, what it means to fellowship together as the church. Someone says that the Apostle Paul called them churches, not just a few saints getting together. And in his many epistles, <coughs> he talks about the fact that, that, that the, about the character of the local church. Biblical churches had designated elders. Biblical churches had word, worship, and spiritual gifts. And see, it's important, coming back to Rama, that... that uh, uh, and, and, and the verse that introduces what, what I'm talking about, okay, it's important that we have a home base. 
We have a place that we can come to and be ministered to. Without that place where we can be ministered to, we will be, as it says, uh, lone wolves. And so many things we could say. Some people are talking about having family churches and so on. And, and Barnard describes those as revolutionaries trying to, de de trying to uh, define church that is based on their own preferences rather than defining church based on what the Bible describes is the role of the church and what we are to be. The incredible thing is that this was what we see happening and the breaking up and the dispersing of people from local church environments is something that was prophesied in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 10 and 25 says, says let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I find that a very sobering warning because what it says is that a lot of the things that are happening, so-called happening by people trying to define the church in the way they want to do, is a sign of the end times. People saying, well, you know, the political, what's happening in the political realm, what's happening in Israel, what's happening there is a sign of the end times. I want to tell you one of the <clears throat> most uh, prominent uh, signs of the last time is people telling us that we don't need the local church. That is what the, the scripture says. The day is approaching. And so I want to encourage you not to be among those who believe that the local church has run out its course. The local church remains right at the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ for the building of his church. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. And that is something that is not just in terms of the global aspect of the church, but in the local church. Amen? Hallelujah. I came across, uh, uh, someone says this, why I love the local church. It says, it plugs me into a spiritual family and prevents me from becoming a Christian loner. It puts people in my life who will pray for me. It provides ministries that I don't have myself. It encourages me to have strong leadership around me. It encourages my soul because I come into contact with people with a heart to serve. It gives me a place to experience with others the worship of God, the word of God, gifts of the Holy Spirit, and God-given ministries. And for these reasons, I love the local church. Amen?
Hallelujah. There's a Psalm, Psalm 102, it says this, I'm like a pelican of the wilderness. I'm like an owl of the desert. desert. Someone says, being an active member of a local church keeps me from living like a pelican in the wilderness. <laughs> Amen. Um, and so <laughs> this morning, thank God for the landmarks. Amen. Thank God for Gilgal. Thank God that I've come through Jordan, amen, into the promised land of God's purposes for my life. Blessed be his wonderful name. Hallelujah. Thank God for Bethel. Thank God for the experiences where I met with God, sometimes in places where I didn't expect it, but I knew the reality of his presence and, and him meeting me right where I am. Thank God for Mizpah <clears throat> uh, 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 or Ebenezer. Amen? Thank God that I can have victory where I have previously knew defeat in my life. But above all, thank God for a home base. <laughs> thank God for my local church where God can minister to me and where I can grow in the things of the Lord with my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen.